Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 10 of Following the Fairness. Um, this episode is Wellness Does Not Equal Happiness, Steph's Hot Take. So strap in and buckle your seat belts, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> uh, the bits and bobs. Word of the week is shout. Used in a good in a sentence. Yeah, that's a good shout, meaning that's a good idea. Uh, recipe of the week, tried and true banana bread. Steph just made some, and it smells very good. <laughs> Current read, uh, The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Uh, latest hike, this week we did not hike, but we did play pickleball today, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And it's probably our last time we're going to play pickleball at this house before we move. So it was really nice. It also made me really miss Minneapolis. Uh, wildlife spotted. Tawny owl. Uh, herd not spotted. But we hear these all the time. Um, and also, <coughs> do yourself a favor and go look at the actual blog to see some, uh, some candid action shots from today's pickleball session. <laughs> <laughs> you will not be disappointed. I wanted to make sure we got pictures of this court before we weren't going to be on it ever again. And so we did a couple action photos, and they're pretty hysterical. Okay. This episode is just an opinion piece, an op-ed, as they say. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Wellness does not equal happiness. Okay. For all the Minnesota social workers listening out there, which there are probably none... How does the license renewal creep up so fast? I always thought it was silly when y'all would complain about not having your training done in time for renewal, inwardly rolling my eyes and thinking, you had two years. Well, now I'm in the last three-month three month crunch, and I'm the one scrambling. For those wondering, I'm keeping my Minnesota license up in the case we move back to the U.S. in the future. If I let it drop, I have to retake a very difficult and very expensive test. Um, in the case we come back someday. So, no thank you. Anywho, cut to me doing the loophole self-study to finish my training hours, listening to as many of the social work podcast episodes as possible before May. As such, I just finished episode 134, The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, featuring Lisa Damore. Anyone remotely interested in this title should go listen. One thing Lisa said in the interview really hit home for me. All right, two things she said. One. It says three. Shh. Okay, yes, three things. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> distress is often evidence that kids are working perfectly. Number two, mental health is not about feeling good, which is, I will tell you, I think the greatest and most destructive myth that is circulating right now. It is wildly problematic. And number three, what I get very uneasy about is anyone suggesting that you are okay or that your kid is okay only when there is an absence of distress. This message is about teens, but it applies, I think, to all humans. There is a difference between distress and mental illness. Having distress could actually mean that your body and mind are working properly, or as Lisa said, working perfectly. If we are faced with something stressful, oh my god. If we, are <laughs> if we are faced with something stressful, we should feel stressed. 
Dissociating, numbing, not feeling anything, would be mental unwellness. The distress is evidence you're working properly. As a mental health professional, as a side note, I feel it is my duty to also say that you may want to look at your mental wellness if you are experiencing sustained distress after a problem is managed. That's looking like an anxiety disorder. Moving forward. I'm very on board in eliminating this new wellness propaganda out there that some sort of emotional zen can be achieved and sustained if we just have the right products. Mike and I are just coming out of a couple of months of extreme transition. This might be TMI, but I didn't get my period for four months after we moved. Talk about your body letting you know you're stressed. I still haven't gotten mine. <laughs> we both cried or even <laughs> sobbed weekly for the first two months. Yeah, that was funny, Micah. And we faced some intense challenges. Not a sob story. We are quite happy here now in England. My point is, I'm glad we felt our feelings in those months. If we had pushed it down, we wouldn't have been as unified and deeply connected then or now. There's a depth to our marriage that came with that joint distress, and I'm thankful that we experienced unhappiness together. Additionally, I'm thankful that no one responded with, go get therapy, when I told them I was not doing well. I'm thankful that I was allowed to feel my feelings boldly and go forth. I'm not against therapy. Obviously, I was a therapist. I'm just saying there's times for therapy and there's times that you just are experiencing like a short-term stress. That's what I'm trying to get at. As a result of distress in my life, I have now finished my first book. No idea how to publish. Please help me. Embraced a new career in self-business. Is that a word? And coffee shop management. Traveled to three countries in four months with two more countries booked. Watched my husband bloom in archaeology. Deepened my marriage, repaired a relationship, made new friends, learned new skills, and would say I am thriving. I also have had a massive meltdown last week and was very stressed and unhappy for a full two days out of the seven. This is just life, guys. Lisa, if you ever read this, which you won't, I love you. Thank you for permission to be unhappy sometimes and not question if I'm mentally ill or feel shame that I haven't achieved that constant state of emotional awesomeness. It's not achievable. Unhappiness is a part of life. Discomfort is a part of life. Challenge is part of life. Learning to manage those moments and communicate feelings is a normal part of life. Readers, spread the word for me, okay? Tell your kids they are working perfectly when they cry. Tell them wellness does not equal happiness. Warning, if you tell a teenager this, they will roll their eyes in response, but we know deep down they appreciate it. Thank you for reading this unsolicited message. Do you have any thoughts or comments on my op-ed? No, this is the first time hearing it, and uh, yeah, I think I think I agree. Uh, there's no, uh, but you know, it's like they say: there's no growth in the comfort zone, and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Lisa said in her in the interview, she was talking about how she used to be a swimmer. And I didn't know this, but swimmers, I guess, are trained to, in the final lap of the race, to breathe as little as possible, to come up for breath as little as possible. And so you're just forcing your body to, like, the ultimate test of, like, physical work and also holding your breath at the same time for that last, what is it, 50 meters? 
from like the time you touch the wall to when you're finishing on the other wall. I think it's 50 meters. I, you're I looking know. at me like I know, but I'm Anyways. not a swimmer. And she said, she said like that is obviously very uncomfortable and terrible. And yet she remembers like this extreme feeling of accomplishment and really enjoying those hard workouts. And it made me think about when I was in soccer in high school and we had to do um, suicide drills is what they called them. I hope they don't call them that anymore. They should maybe have a different name for those. Um, but we had to first run to just the goal line and back and then like the halfway point and back and then the end and back. And we did that like four or five times in a row and we were all like on the ground dying at the end. But I remember it feeling totally worth it. So I don't know. I think that's what distress is like also. Sometimes it's good for you. Maybe I would be a better swimmer if I just didn't breathe. <laughs> oh boy all right this is a short one folks thanks for listening and like and subscribe bye-bye